What's up, YouTube? Today I have a lot of amazing guests. A lot of them are, not a lot of them, all of them are, are uh, guests that I had in the past. I'm talking about Troy, Brian, uh, also known as Sunday League Investors, and James. And this will be a very special podcast since the main topic will be the post-national, and I would say almost a state of the market. Uh, Troy and, and myself end up not going to the national, but uh, Brian and James, they they end up staying there, I believe, all days, right? Uh, so uh, it's actually quite interesting to know uh, the your perspective, Brian, and, and also your perspective, James, because I have my own takes, but I saw the national through YouTube, uh, Instagram, so I would love to know if what I believe matches what what uh, with what you saw i'm sorry um so yeah the the first topic i, I have uh, in mind and by the way i'm not doing introductions because i know <laughs> most of the viewers already are aware of you guys but the, the first topic uh, and i would love an answer from brian and james on this one did you guys enjoy the national this year it's a very easy question but um, tell me what surprises you in the one thing that ended up surprising you in the positive way and one thing that ended up surprising you in a negative way, if there is something, of course. Starting with you, Brian. Okay. So one thing that was positive for me, I would definitely say um, having a table was great. I enjoyed, I enjoyed Atlantic City. Uh, the, well, the national, not the actual city. The actual city is exactly <laughs> what people have told me. <laughs> like, I, I didn't want to, you know, I want to give it a fair shot, but... It, there's a there's a reason why no one wants to go back, uh, but the, the national in general was amazing. You see how they put on um, their booths um, is so much different from last year. Like you see how the the details of how like I would say um, collectibles, gold, and you look at whatnot. You look at all these big time deal uh, companies do, putting on some huge booths. I mean, so much details. Um, they had a Stranger Things booth with Zero Cool. Um, that's an experience that I feel like is so important to kind of like level up the hobby from like a very broad perspective. Um, I thought that was really cool. Giving like people that are traveling a great experience, not just from a deals uh, perspective, but from experience perspective, right? I think a lot of times I talk about this a lot, um, especially when I had my show. I feel like if we get to where people are enjoying the experience, deals will come anyways. You see what I'm okay. saying? Um, so that's really important. Uh, the thing that was kind of negative, I would say, is like what I've heard from a lot of people is there were not as many soccer dealers, um, footy dealers in general. And I don't think it's because there's not a lot of excitement for soccer cards. It's just more like to get a table is so, so difficult. I mean, it is one of the hardest things to do. I got super lucky, really blessed by it. Um, but overall, I think the national was as expected, right? Just the multiplier from like, just say, Dallas is unreal. Okay, no, great, great answer. Uh, James, what, what about you? Yeah, so I would say on the positive side, actually, interestingly enough, what surprised me was not necessarily the tables themselves, but there was a lot of soccer there at like trade nights and people walking around with their cases. There was actually a good amount of soccer. You, if 
whatever you wanted to see in soccer, somebody probably had it in a case yeah. somewhere. Like I saw Aretha Pele's, I saw um, Ronaldo rookie stickers. I saw pretty much anything you were looking for. You could find, you could find 1940s, 1930s vintage people walking around with it, had it. And so I think that really surprised me. Um, now like tables and the majority of the market is leans heavily towards the ultra modern and ultra modern high end side, which is what we would expect from a show like this. But I was surprised at the depth of, of, of soccer that was there. Um, on the negative side, I think most people share the negatives. Um, the internet was impossible to work with at the national. Oh, yeah. So you, you had dealers, depending on where they were stationed in the um, hall itself, had to go outside of the hall to check comps or get a PayPal um, payment to go through. And so the, the internet just made it a giant mess in, in that case. And then uh, apart from that, I, I guess a negative that is not so much just the fault of the location would be that a lot of the dealers there are still way, way overpriced compared to what current comps are. Uh, I mean, I saw, um, not including Brian's table because his pricing is amazing. <laughs> but um, <laughs> I was going to say, what are you trying to say? What are you saying? <laughs> no, no, no. I'm not, no digs at Brian. But I mean, I saw a I saw an Mbappe Prism base that was stickered at 500 when it's been consistently selling around, I think, 200, 250. And so stuff like that is always frustrating. Um, when you try to make trades with people and they value their stuff at two or three X, the most recent comp, um, that sort of gets frustrating, but I, I mean, I get it. You don't really want to trade the stuff that you like, but, um, in any event, I guess that's the, the frustrating side of it, but definitely more positives than negatives. I would say that I much preferred the Chicago show for probably just the location base as well as the, the vibe at the show was a lot better. I mean, this one, uh, if you watch Northeast Ohio sports cars, he talks about this, there are shows within shows. And so there's a certain, certain segment of dealers that, um, are, market price and they'll play around comps then you have another segment of dealers that are playing in 2021 peak market pricing or 2021 just after the peak market pricing and they're just not interested in negotiating anywhere from there and so at the national at least in atlantic city i think the show within the show was a lot smaller than what it was in chicago okay fair uh, great answer also um, before actually starting recording, we all uh, end up flaming Troy a bit because Troy ended up not going to, to the national. <laughs> but uh, Troy, I know you also travel a lot. You've been doing amazing content on, uh, on YouTube with uh, all the vlogs. And even if you end up not going to the national, I know you have a lot of ex experience with, with shows, with, with car shows in America. First of all, uh, what's your opinion about the, the national looking uh, on Instagram, uh, looking, uh, talking with other collectors and what have been your experience in other shows um, that you, you have done recently? Recently could be two, three months. Yeah. Um, I mean, the main thing for me, like, honestly, the only thing I felt I really missed out on was just seeing people and uh, like, I don't know, I, I hate saying this, but it's true. Like networking, you know what I mean? Like all those, all those big companies are there. Um, than just meeting people who I haven't met in person, but maybe we're friends with on Instagram. That's really what I saw that I felt like I missed out on. Um, I haven't been, so I, I haven't been to Chicago. I've never been in the national ever. So I can't really speak with too much confidence, but my, from what I saw, I think that if you don't have a table, it's kind of tough, you know, like you can still have a good time, but I think like, if we're going to think about like making moves, making plays, as people say, I, you know, I wasn't going to have a table. So I guess that's the other reason I kind of felt, don't get me wrong. I wish I would have went, but like, I was like, okay, well, at least like maybe financially, it wasn't like, oh, if I had been there, I would have done this, this and that. So um, that's kind of my perspective on the national, totally ill-informed, never been so worth about nothing, but that, that's what I think. Um, in terms of shows lately, 
I don't know. It's been cool. I mean, me and Brian, we, we go to shows a lot together. Yeah. I think that in the last two months, I've sensed, I think the economy has kind of like had an impact on, on shows for sure. But um, for me personally, like I, I've just been enjoying it because for one, it's fun, but you know, I, I learned something new every show, like in this latest Dallas video that may, maybe people have saw buying these lots has been going really, really well for me. So it's always fun to find a little new angle and, and do different things. So yeah, it's, it's enjoyable. Okay. This was not part of my questions, but now I'm really curious about, about your answer, Troy, and also Brian. Like you said, the, the macroeconomics are not great in the last, I would say, almost since the start of the year, to, to be fair. Um, but you guys have been grinding a lot. Um, I know we are talking about a super speculative asset, so maybe there is some delay when it comes to actually to the macroeconomic. But do you guys feel that the sales have been going down? And this answer is actually, a, a, this. I'm sorry, this question is a difficult one in the sense that even if you are doing well, Troy, because I believe you've been grinding a lot, do you see other people on shows struggling with this? And same question for you, Brian, of course. Um, or, or do you guys think cards are, are not affected that much? You, you can start throwing this one. Well, I mean, yeah, I think that the two main things is like people are just pretty hesitant to, to part with cash just because like, you know, I, I, I talk to people all the time. They literally are just straight up with me. Like, dude, I love this card. Like uh, Jude Bellingham, I think he's the next goat, but like I have to make my car payment. So that's just like a pretty direct consequence right there like people don't have as much cash to spend because of inflation and all these other things so it definitely has made an impact the other one just in terms of like the market since the start of the year this happened in dallas like I, I'm, I'm far from the nicest guy in the world but it actually literally broke my heart when people would bring cards up to me and be like hey can i trade this or like uh, i want to sell it um i haven't looked in a while but i bought it for 600 you know like an mbappe base or something like that or even even like you know, good stuff like a hall, good subjective, like a Holland Sapphire or something like that. And they would, and I'd be like, dude, I, I, you bought this for 600. I know the comp is like a hundred. I was like, I don't even like, I was like, I don't even want to engage in this deal. Cause I'm literally going to break your heart. Cause a lot of times the people had no idea. So I think that's kind of been the, the tough thing that I've seen in regards to like how the market's been. Okay. All but you brain. Um, so maybe I, I don't know if national was like an outlier or it was building towards um, national. Um, so I think there, obviously, I think market conditions is, you know, economy, all these, like these things are in flux there. doesn't breed confidence <laughs> to people. Um, and I always talk about summer, it, it, you know, it's also a summer as well. So that, that's like, makes it even 10 times worse because cars don't move as fast in summer. Um, that's always been like a pretty cyclical thing from my understanding. And, but, but at national, I will say because of how hard it is to get to Atlantic City, because of how difficult or expensive it is to get out there, um, I think people that actually went out to National really were motivated to do something. Um, was it good or bad? Who knows? But I will say like the first two days, people were willing to buy cards like with cash. You know, it's like they're like all waiting for the National um, to, to make that move, right? Um, but what was interesting at the tail end of the show was like, it's as if they made their move. 
Um, they're like, oh crap, what else is there to do Atlantic City besides gamble? Um, I need to sell some stuff like on Friday. Like I, I was like, ended up buying a ton of stuff on Friday, like I'm pretty much canceling out everything I sold, <laughs> you know? <laughs> um, and then Saturday, uh, I felt like people that were kind of trying, you know, the smart, not when say smart ones, but the people who are like, you know, prodding, being patient, um, trying making their moves and they went back to buying. So like, I don't know if national was an outlier, but I felt like there people really motivated to do something um regardless of his trade and really understanding um like you know maybe their comps was not as strong as a month ago right recognizing that right so it was a very interesting but then again i was the only dealer so it's like i feel like everything mine's skewed like it's all kind of like a little bit more biased but um but yeah that's from my perspective though okay no uh, great um now, uh, in this, uh, I would say, second question, because the other one I was not expecting to, to ask, uh, is my perspective actually about the national? And in this one, I need Troy uh, with me in the sense that I also need Troy to share what uh, Troy saw. But for example, I was looking on Instagram all weekend, and basically what I saw was people talking about ultramodern, specific ultramodern high end. I saw Flawless, I saw Eminence, I saw all of those noir, all of those top-in sets, at least looking from outside being the, 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 the talk on the show for soccer. I could be totally wrong on this. Uh, Troy, did you also felt the, the same? Yeah, I mean, that's that's what I saw. I think kind of like going to Brian's point a little bit, like if you're going to the national, like you're you're going to make moves, you know what I mean? That's like, it, it's basically like an $1,000 trip. So I think that's why people really when they get there, like, they might have been saving up all year or really trading, whatever it is, and they want to make plays on those like big time cards. No, no, that that's a great point actually um but now brian and james uh, starting with james now uh, do you agree with this take do 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 you actually feel that ultra modern i end and let's go a little bit far because I, i've been noticing that ultra modern and it's not a market that I pl play a lot, as you guys know, but I feel like Ultramodern is almost in a new cycle right now. Uh, Prism was a big, Prism is still a big thing, Tops Chrome, the first Tops Chrome is still a big thing, but I feel like we are talking much more about Flawless right now. We are talking much more about the, the top sets. Um, what do you think about this, James? Yeah, so I, I wasn't walking the floor as much as Brian was, so he'll have a better um, holistic view of what what exactly people were looking for. But from the from the anecdotes that I had, people were really interested in Messi and Ronaldo autos. It almost didn't matter the set, and then flawless eminence, um, those sorts of sets in very particular. If you're looking for Messi, Ronaldo, or any other player, those were the things people were targeting, as well as the United States men's national team stuff, obviously, because we're in the United States. But um, from my perspective, those were the three biggest heads of the show. It was United States men's national team, Messi, Ronaldo, autos, and then the high-end sets that you mentioned. I think those were the big three things that I saw people going after. And like you said about the sort of the rotations the market takes, like we go from one set to another set to another set it really felt like leading into the national the chatter on on instagram and social media was about um the high-end sets like uh I, i'm sure everybody at this point has heard that flawless is doing extremely extremely well in china right now um, the prices for that product in china are going crazy and so i think a lot of people had that in the front of their mind when they got to the national and people sort of just baked that in and targeted those specifically because of what they had seen on social media and that sort of just adds fuel to the fire and so i i do believe that the current meta or era that we're in is dealing specifically with these 
high-end ultramodern sets. Um, I don't know how long it's going to last. Uh, these things always end up shifting to something else. But yeah, I, I would definitely say that the, the meta, at least that I think we're currently in, specifically revolves around those sets. Okay, great answer. Um, what about you, Brian? What, what do you think about this new trend almost about uh, high-end in soccer? Which, again, is not new, but I feel like I've been gaining a lot of steam recently. Yeah, so I would say there's always like a variation of high end, like so it's like kind of subjective to um, who you ask. You are one hundred percent, yes. Yeah, so but but to kind of like unpack that, um, I think James is like hundred percent correct to what he's what he's saying about how leading up to uh, the nationals, like the talk has been literally team flawless, team high uh, eminence. You know what I mean? Like you gotta pick a side or something like that. Um, but there's also other variations of like high end for people, right? When I was at my table, it didn't matter what type of auto it was, right? Like, you know, if they wanna trade, somebody would wanna trade up for like a thousand dollar messy auto, right? And that's high end to them. Um, so like, I think the conversation is kind of shifting where it's like, you know, are these like legitimate collector's pieces? Like people actually really want. Um, and that's that's kind of like the buying um I, I was seeing a little bit more collector mindset um i did you know i did sell uh some in-person autos as well so that was kind of cool to see like they're actually like collectors out there um because that's mm -hmm. something that i kind of gripe about a little bit it's like in the soccer card markets like we're start we're still seeing a lot of people trying to you know make money in the hobby which is fine you know you can make money trade up trade down whatever you gotta do um but seeing more collectors um is like encouraging to me, at least from an anecdotal standpoint, right? I don't really have like, like data, but it felt like it. No, no. Yeah, I also want to echo that again on the on the auto front. Autos seem extremely hot right now. It, it like for for anything, autos for any player, they seem very very hot. There was a booth specifically at the show that pretty much only had in person soccer autos, um, and they they killed it. Like pretty much anybody I saw had something from that table in their case. Um, whether it be a Sadio Mane auto, whether it be um, a Benzema auto, things like that. Um, a lot of people are really targeting autos. And that, that could be more of a, we never see that sort of thing. So it was really unique that Atlantic City, there were a lot of in-person autos and on-card autos you could buy. Um, but it just seemed like everybody was was engaging with that market. Yeah, I want to. I would like to hope that they want autos like for as a collector's piece. Like, I feel like I'm very optimistic about it, but it it might not be true. But yeah, like I, I, it's it's crazy. It was crazy out there. No, that that's super interesting to know. Honestly, um, I I don't have any experience with uh, patch autos, all of that stuff. But I, I'm always very curious to to learn, and and I also saw a lot of that on Instagram. And uh, uh, Troy, one thing I know from all of us, you are probably one of the guys that at least I believe have more experience with ultra modern and you collect 2017 tops Chrome, which is tends to be one of the main sets in, in soccer, uh, also Prism. But looking, I, I know again, you end up not going to the national, but go, looking from outside, um, this can don't take this in the wrong way, but this scares you that people would potentially be moving in a different direction in, in ultra modern. You know, and I'm not sure if I'm explaining myself well. Um, yeah, no, I, I know what you're saying. Uh, not, not really, I guess. I mean, I think people always like had an interest in autos and like these guys have kind of said like there's periods where certain things are hot and, and other things are not. But I think in general, like, like I said, something will be hot, but I think if you've been doing this long enough, you kind of know what's like a good card 
well, I, I don't want to say that because there's not good cars and bad cars, but I guess you know what uh, what is going to be desirable. Like what you don't, the, the big thing I do, like when I buy cars, whether it's like an auto or a top scroll or whatever, it's like a card I'm not worried about in a sense. Like I kind of believe in to an extent. So I think that can be, that can be an auto. It can be high end. It can be flawless or like, you know, I've, I've picked, I'll still buy it. Even though it's a $40 card, Tiago Silva, Topps Chrome 2017 gold. I'll buy that every day of the week because that's a that's a card I believe in. So I think no matter what price range or what type of card you're playing with, you can find something that kind of makes sense for you. No, Troy, one thing that I actually ended up learning from you, because I was a little bit critical of Topps Chrome at one point, but then I started realizing Troy is actually correct on this one. This set is super important. Um, I, I guess we ended up talking about this on, on the podcast uh, we, we ended up doing a couple of months ago. But, um, and uh, I was talking with James the other day about this actually, that uh, I think if people are moving into flawless, eminence, of course, great sets, but maybe Top Scrum Prism, uh, if there is some money moving outside of those sets, which is very debatable, of course. I think could be a, a good opportunity to enter Top Scrum uh, um, Prism, the, the, the main sets basically that uh, we all know in uh, in, in ultra modern. Uh, so, um, okay. Um, another thing, uh, I guess you guys are already end up, answering, end up answering this at the beginning. Uh, this channel focuses a lot in, in pre-modern and vintage. Uh, and I, I saw a lot of uh, ultra-modern on, on Instagram, but did, did you guys felt that people are still looking to buy vintage, are still looking to buy pre-modern, or the American market is really focused on, on ultra-modern and can potentially stay this way for, for a long time? Um, starting with Brian, in this case. Um, so this is what I would say. I would say if I had a choice, I probably would have an ultra-modern case. Okay. Um, like to, to give you uh, an answer, uh, but but like I still had like pre-modern you know sets from Mega Cracks, right? Like I still buy those, um, but I wouldn't say it's like crazy um, demand. Um, like I I did sell like few pieces like the, the Stefano Auto like in person. Like people you know there are collectors out there, but definitely not as many people there are as interested, right? It's not as you know uh, tradable. I would say. No, it makes sense. What about you, James? Yeah, it's like what Brian said. If you're going to a show and you want to play the show game of sorts and play the margins and do trades and all that kind of stuff, it behooves you to have what everybody wants. And what everybody wants right now is the ultra modern stuff. Now, there is a small percentage, maybe something like five or 10%, that really, really loves vintage and pre modern. And those people specifically, I think they love vintage and pre modern more than any of the ultra modern people love ultra modern. Like those people love vintage and pre modern and they are all about it. Um, so if you can find those people, that stuff does extremely, extremely well. Like at, at trade nights, I had some pre-modern stuff that went really, really well because I, not very many people have it. And the people that do want it really, really want it. So, um, yeah, it's just two different ends of the market right now. Pre-modern is just smaller. Ultra-modern has more activity. Um, and so, yeah, if you're going to play the show game, it definitely benefits you to have a, an ultra-modern setup. Okay. Um, and, and any take on this, Troy? Um, yeah, I mean, I, I agree. I think that like I have, and, and granted, like you kind of said, people know me more a little bit for ultra modern, but like I've had some pre-modern stuff and it's been in my, like no one has touched it, bro. 
Like it's good <laughs> stuff. People haven't even, their hands haven't even touched those cards. It's almost like they flip and they skip over it as they get to the next card. Yeah, so no, that's kind of like, if it, if it starts with a 1990 something in front of it, it's just getting swept by. Yeah, yeah I, exactly. I, was, I, I was trying to not laugh. <laughs> but, but Andre, but I will say, I will say, I will say that when you find that one or two people that are interested, they'll make an offer like, like I, somebody just bought a Eusebio sticker price. They're like, what? 50 bucks for a Eusebio? Uh, of Valida, uh, you know, I'll take that. Oh yeah. So. Um, the the last question is basically final takes on um, on the market, on the hobby, on the national. Basically, everything you guys went to say. Because again, uh, I live in Europe. I don't have the experience you guys have go, going to those events, and I think it's it's very different what I see on internet versus what what you guys see at shows. Um, and I would like to to know uh, if you guys are still I assume you guys are still bullish in soccer long run, but the, the answer can be different if if I ask, what about short term? Do you guys are still bullish in soccer? And another thing that I also want to, to add into, into this is uh, soccer is an alternative market. Do you guys saw other alternative markets like F1, uh, tennis, whatever, do, doing well at the show or, or basically the, the typical American sports are still uh, the main force? And we um, can start with James in this one. Hey guys, quick pause on the video. I know this was a great talk with other content creators and I assume you guys are enjoying quite a lot because I had a blast. And if that's the case, guys, please do not forget to leave a like. It means a lot. If you also want to subscribe, I will be very thankful for that. Uh, and uh, yeah, leaving a like is not only respecting my work, it's also respecting all the time the, the other content creators end up uh, uh, sharing with us. So don't forget that. Uh, a couple of things, guys. Uh, let's start with my, my Patreon community uh, i created a patreon community to honestly support what i'm doing on the on the youtube side since youtube does not pay uh, that well but i try to provide enough value there to justify the ten dollars so i put exclusive content on youtube every wednesday is a q a basically if you have questions i will answer them on wednesday and i also share an extra audio on saturday and on the extra audio i don't have any particular topic in mind is basically what i'm doing what i'm seeing on the market i would say a state of the market almost. Anyone joining Patreon will be able to ask me questions. I already end up answering more than 300 questions in the last couple of months, which is quite crazy again. So uh, if you join Patreon right now, of course you have access to, to, to the future Q&As, at least monthly, but you also have access to 60 Q&As, actually more than that. I'm saying 60 is, is actually more than that at this point. So if you watch everything on YouTube and you want more content, you have a lot of content on, on Patreon that uh, you need to, to take a look, basically. So link will be below the video. Don't feel pressure to join if $10 is a lot of money to you. Like I said, I provide a lot of value there. But one thing that is totally free is actually my Discord. We are more than 700 members and the Discord is growing super fast. And the crazy part is we are just getting started with, with, the, with the, the Discord. 700 members blows my mind and is an amazing place to share your collection, to share your thoughts, basically to learn and share. I'm there all the time. So if you want to interact with me, I also think it's, it's a good place but on, not only me to be fair there is 
a lot of amazing people there people that know a lot about different parts of the market so if you really want to be engaged with the community joining the discord is honestly quite important link below the video for for both patreon and discord and i hope to see you guys uh, there let's continue with the conversation and of course do not forget to like uh, yeah, so I mean, I, I saw F1 there. I have no idea how it moved because I'm just not in that market at all. Um, I think it's facing a correction, but honestly, I have no idea. Uh, Troy's probably better uh, suited to answer questions on F1 basis, but it definitely was there. Um, a lot of it, high end, whatever you want, F1 was there. Um, my general outlook on the market, and I think I've been pretty open about this, is that I'm hesitantly optimistic about what happens during the 2022 World Cup. And then I'm very nervous about what happens after, but long run, I'm, I'm very, very positive. So um, leading up to the World Cup, I'm hesitantly, op hesitantly optimistic. Um, after the World Cup, I think we could be in for a big correction of sorts, just because I don't know what's going to keep the interest going once we move to 2026, because that is a really long time if you actually want to hold cards until 2026. I don't think yeah. people really realize how far away that actually is. Is is, so. uh, is is one of the things that triggers me the most. People saying that they are yeah. speculating on World Cup. 20, I mean, come on. Uh, whatever. No, no. So the, the, the thing I bring up <laughs> about that is the soccer card hobby really hasn't existed for as long as you're going to have to wait for the World Cup to come. Like th yeah. this has been a market in a mainstream sense for two years and you're going to wait another four on top of this. I, I just don't see that being a realistic scenario, but yeah, I mean, so I, in that period gap in between those two world cups, I'm pretty sour on the market, but long-term, I mean, I I've always said this, I think the pop boards play out really well, but you've got to be willing to wait long-term and by long-term, I, I literally mean like 10, 20 years. Great. Um, Brian, uh, what about you on this one? Um, I would say I'm also cautiously optimistic, um, for world cup like leading up to the World Cup and during the World Cup, um, all, all the signs are there, right? So like, for me, I always like to see what type of activities are going on. Um, you know, you're starting to see like really soccer specific uh, events, right? I saw like out internationally, there's like three or four shows going on. And that's what breeds community. And that's what breeds like more collectors, more more people that are really willing to get into collecting. Um, that's like, well, that's what kind of like makes me think like, hey, you know what, maybe like, there is like really like an interesting period we're gonna see because internationally, I think there's a lot. Um, I mean, the fact that there's only one card show in London is ridiculous, right? Yeah. Um, now there's gonna have two or three. There's one be in Germany. Um, I think there's one gonna be in the Netherlands. I'm not sure. Um, so that's all really exciting stuff. Like if we if we keep continuing seeing events like that, um, and even the states, right? Seeing we're gonna see more soccer events uh, soon in the future. That's what's gonna breed the growth to. Um, to just specifically for the star card hobby so that's why i'm not as like worried um if the activity keeps going and you know keeps evolutionizing because like that's what it's all about breeding a community so i agree with with that quite a lot i think uh, communities are, are underrated a lot of times because um Look, I noticed that I talk so much about pre-modern uh, and I have a community around pre-modern that I know certain cards are performing well. I noticed the vintage community also pushes the, the interest in general about their, their, their market. I, I totally agree with that. Troy, what about you and actually your perspective on F1? Uh, not that this channel talks a lot, but I'm really curious. Um, yeah, I'll, I'll start with... I. I'll, I'll I'll put myself out there. I'll I'll put I'll put my name on line with it. If if we don't see a World Cup, we will see a World Cup. Like the hype will come for the soccer card hobby 
And the only reason it won't is because of like, like you said, like economic factors. That's the only way. Yeah, that's the only way I don't see it happen. That doesn't mean everything's going to go up. That doesn't mean all your cars are going to be worth more. That doesn't mean you should necessarily even be buying soccer right now. But I just don't see it. It literally like explain to me a scenario where there's not more interest in soccer cards near the World Cup. Like, I don't think you can even make an argument about it. Once again, that doesn't mean everything's going to go up, but I don't, I, I don't know what argument there is for that not to be there. You know what I mean? We're going to get, I, a, we're going to get a knife. Troy, I yeah, agree 100% with you. And uh, I also saw sometimes people bearish about the, the World Cup, and I don't get that. I mean, the world completes stops to, to watch that, yeah. that event. 100% that there will be people searching cards on eBay, looking on Instagram profiles to find stuff. But like you said, the macroeconomics, they, unless, the, but who knows in November, what will be the, 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 the macroeconomic, you know, but I, I'm still very confident on the World Cup. I, I agree with you 100% on that. And I see a lot of people saying, ah, oh, the World Cup uh, is overrated. I, I honestly don't agree with that. I think we can see a lot of people. And this is true if the, the American national team starts doing well on the groups, uh, that can also g- generate a lot of hype. But, but back, back, back to you. Yeah, and, and I think I, I said it before, but I've said it again. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to clip this and then I'm going to do it after the World Cup. I cannot wait to see who is going to be the player that goes from $1 to $100. You know what I mean? Like, we don't know who it's going to be. Like, I, I keep throwing this name out there. And it's just as an example, like, I have no idea what he's going to do. It's going to be like a Noah Okafor type guy where his cards are literally $1. And then we're going to be scrolling through eBay during the World Cup if he has like a, you know, scores two goals or something. And it's going to be insane what happens. So I don't know. I just think that's interesting. That's my little prediction. Um, In terms of the market just overall, I mean, with F1 and Sorrow, I actually think it's the same. Um, I don't know if this is the right, like, analogy or not, but like, the have and have nots, it, it's going to keep spreading. So you're already seeing in like F1, there's just too much supply right now. So like, for instance, I really believe in the first year of that. And there's some like crazy deals right now. Like, um, you know, the, the, the top scrum golds and, and like PSA 9, PSA 10, those are going to be so desirable cards down the road. And I really, really believe in that. But like random inserts from 2021, like it's just, it's not going to hold value. And I think with soccer, it's going to be the same thing. Like, like I said, I'm sorry, I'm not explaining this well right now, but like going back to what we talked about, like flawless, right? Like I believe in like Messi and Ronaldo flawless stuff, like so much long-term. I, I really like the good stuff in both. I'm really, really bullish on long-term that's, but, but the stuff like, man, sorry, I'm, I'm going in circles right now, but like, uh, let me just give an example that maybe no one's going to understand, but like Esteban Ocon is a driver in Formula One. He's a French driver. He's not one of the best drivers. His gold tops chrome from the first year, PSI 9, I think just went for like 150 bucks. At the same time, a random, you know, Max Verstappen insert PSI 9, like refractor from the second year goes for like 80 bucks right now. That $80 card is going to be worth $1 one day. And I actually believe that that Ocon card is going to be worth maybe even a thousand dollars one day, just because it's one of his nicest cards there is. And I think with soccer, you're going to see some of the, some similar stuff going forward where stuff is actually going to go to $1, but we're also going to look back at some of the stuff you could have got at the national this past year and been like, Oh man, did you remember? Like, you know, I sold a Harry Kane flawless for like 300 bucks. You know what I mean? Like it wouldn't surprise me one bit 
if one day that's literally a $5,000 card, maybe 5,000 is a little aggressive, but like is a big, big time card. No, yeah, yeah. I, I'll, I'll go ahead and plug my channel here. I have like a whole video that I just did about this. Um, there's a very limited number of sets in soccer or in any sport that we're going to look back on that are going to hold value, but the vast, vast majority of cards and history supports this are not going to be worth anything. And so it's a matter of being able to identify what sets and parallels within those sets are the ones that really matter long run, because we know from history that the vast majority of this stuff is going to go to $1 or go to $0. And so it's, it's not a cause for concern right now because everybody's playing this game of musical chairs and hot potato with a bunch of different things, but there, there is a, a, a five to 10 year outlook where 99% of the stuff we're talking about isn't worth the plastic that it's in. Yeah. I mean, the, where I find a lot of difficult to see values, for example, third-year top scrum Messi, even if he's a, a ultra nice parallel. I mean, but why? You know that I don't see why that, that card is important. I, tops uh, uh, the first top scrum completely different. I, I understand the the logic, and I'm actually working on a video uh, that I will talk about this. That I believe the more you need to explain the card, the less. Uh, I like the card, you know, because again, a very basic example. I show you uh, uh, Christian Ronaldo Mega Cracks. Well, the, the only thing I need to say is, well, this is the first card for Christian Ronaldo. I don't need to say anything else. You understand? Oh, okay. It's the first card. It's the first collectible. It's, it's something that automatic in your mind, you understand the value. But then you show me a, a top. I understand prices are completely different, of course, but you show me a, a top scrum for the year. And you, you need to take a time to explain me why I should buy that card because it's not that obvious. You know, what I'm trying to say is, and I feel like this is so basic, but the rookie concept, for example, exists for a reason. The first top scrum, which goes almost in the logic of the rookie set for top scrum, also exists for, for a reason. And the, I feel really bad for people that buys all of this ultra modern garbage year by year, honestly, because they buy the. <laughs> <laughs> no, but uh, it's, it's real. Ryan, I mean... right? No, I'm just kidding. Yeah, I was just no, kidding. No, 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 <laughs> no, 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 but one thing is if you are, if you are selling automatic, it's completely different if you have a business around that. But people that buy, uh, I don't know, score and they think they are investing, that's. I'm sorry, but that person do, does not know what he's doing in the market, honestly. Yeah. Um, yeah, I don't have a, a lot more to say. Well, if you guys have I any was, final thoughts. I, I was just going to play devil's advocate just for a second. I would take a third year Lionel Messi tops Chrome, especially if it's a parallel, over like 99.9% .9 of cards, though. That's 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 my hot take, because if you look at how once again, soccer is not basketball, but like you look at Jordan's like junk, you would be surprised what it outsells, like some cards with great fundamentals of these amazing players who had this great history and all that stuff. You'd be surprised what like Jordan's junk outsells. So that's the that's just something like to consider, I guess. OK, but you are picking a very specific player. I mean, OK, now forget Cristiano Ronaldo, Mbappé, Aland and Messi, all, all those fours. Are you picking the other players? Over over what? That Messi card? Over, over a Messi top scrum? Let's think about a very good player, Kevin De Bruyne, second year top scrum. Do you think that card is relevant for Kevin De Bruyne? 
I think it's depends. No. Okay, sorry. No. Yes. Because but I was just saying, like, I would take here. Here's my hot take, though. I would take a messy 2019 Topps Chrome Blue in 10 years over a De Bruyne rookie sticker. That's my that's my hot take. Man, that, that's, think, that's difficult. I, and I also think it's like the narrative behind that set too, though, right? Like this narrative behind, like it's very, it's super specific, but like, I think you're speaking in terms of like investing specifically, yeah, Andre. Yeah. So like, I think you have, you're, you're right on that front, but, but I do think like, I mean, kind of sucks you saying third year tops Chrome Messi, because I'm pretty sure that's the one that he has like, oh no, but, second year. But, but Messi is not a good example. And Troy can be right on this one, honestly, because the Messi have a different market than, and your, Messi is, is the, the LeBron James, is the Michael Jordan. So yeah, uh, Troy could be right on this, but my, and I, I probably explained myself bad on this one. My, my idea is more about in, in a general way, looking at, at the entire set. Of course, if you pick Cristiano Ronaldo, Messi, I can honestly, I still don't, don't, I'm not a big fan of those cards, but uh, Troy is correct in the sense that there, there will be people that, that will try to collect all messy cards basically from Top Scrum. So, yeah. And then also, like, you know, recently, like, it's not every card. I, I see what you're saying, Andre, but there's also like other cards I think are so cool if you're looking for investment wise or like you collect. Uh, you got. He's gone. Andre turned his mic off. I was going to say, Andre <laughs> turned his mic off. It was, it was getting hear me? No, 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 he's fine. No, he's fine. He's good? Yep. Okay, I'm going to use my AirPods now. I think we can now. hear you now. All right. Yeah, I got so upset. <laughs> no, but uh, the, <laughs> the, RV, but the RVP Kaboom, right? Like, from the 2017 uh, set, like, that's cool narrative. Like, you have to explain it a little bit, but that's, I think, I think that's actually a generally a pretty cool card. Um, so, like, I think it's, it's not can't speak too much in generality. <laughs> Basically, what I think yeah. what Troy's trying to say. That's all. Um, but yeah, so like I mean, I I see what you're saying. You're just going for like, you know, a random parallel from like I'm not saying scores trash, uh, but it's definitely not like you know the most premium product out there. Um, it, it means nothing. Okay. Yeah. And but I, actually, I think, sorry. Yeah. Go ahead. Go ahead. I, I went to back to 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 the thing that Troy said that I would prefer the the Messi blue second year versus the Kevin De Bruyne. I'm not sure about that, honestly. I yeah. I don't see things that way. I think, the Kevin, okay, Kevin De Bruyne, first of all, have two rookie stickers. One is quite more rare than the other. Are you talking about the, the headshot or the action shot? Um, I was talking about the action shot, but <laughs> okay. I, like I said, I'm, yeah. What great, because great matters much more when you start talking about uh, about stickers versus a numbered card, because I assume the numbered card will be a PSA 9 or a PSA 10. Yeah, I mean, like I said, I, if you're going to really nail me down on it, <laughs> <laughs> my argument might crumble, I, I guess. And once, I, like I said, especially like uh, James has actually done some really good uh videos comparing i think with like some like fleer 86 and stuff like that so i'm being very careful what i say because he's ready with the numbers to beat me over the head but i think even you you did to an extent i don't know if you're you would necessarily agree with me on this one but i think you you showed in that video as well like really 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 good players and they're really really good cards still don't outsell like regular jordan cards or so that I guess that's 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 the argument I'm making and just making people be aware that even though like you can say this is junk and then this has like really strong fundamentals and 
we, we, we've had this back and forth before, but I'm just making an argument for stuff that like, if it's of the real goats though, even if it's junk or not as desirable, like you'd be surprised, like just because it's that name. How, how, I guess my thing is how important the name of the player almost like supersedes everything in the long run. No, and and I agree with you 100% with that. Um, but I also think soccer, even if right now is, is similar to basketball, baseball, whatever, I think we are a very specific market. Why? Because, for example, you, you I know you love NBA. So you watch NBA. Of course, uh, Michael Jordan was the star. Of course, LeBron James was the star. But soccer is a little bit different because in Premier League, Kevin De Bruyne was the star last year. You know what I'm trying to say? It's, it's actually a, a little bit different in the sense that... Uh, is a more global sport in the sense that uh, you have top leagues, then you have the Champions League, the World Cup, etc. And I would disagree with you on that one. I really think the sticker, again, if you are talking about the PSA 5, is different. But if you are talking PSA 8, PSA 9, I cannot see a second year Messi top scrum card surpassing that sticker because Kevin De Bruyne won, I don't know, five Champions, not Champions League, five Premier oh. Leagues. Have been one, have been one of the best players. Actually, I believe he's probably the best player ever for for Belgium. So, is is an interesting debate, and I, I'm sure a lot of people probably agree with you on this one. But I I, I pick the look. If if you, if you, if if instead of the blue one, you told me the gold, that will be a little bit different. But you end up going a little bit all in with your take. You said the, the blue is what <laughs> one of ninety nine, right? Yeah. The, yeah. 150, 150, I think. Okay, 150. So it's a lot, it's, it's, it's not a rare card if, if you put it in perspective with the other parallels. But actually, since you're not talking about James, James, what, what do you think about this topic? Yeah, because... I want to hear James's opinion because yeah, I know he's done the numbers. And I, <laughs> hey, feel free to disagree with me. I'm genuinely curious. Yeah, I mean, this is where we get into super, super hypothetical land in terms of trying to project out what demand looks like for specific players over the next 10, 20 years. I mean, my personal take on it would, would everything that I've looked at in research just says you should literally just be buying two or three players. Like if you're in basketball, you should literally just be buying Jordan, LeBron and like Steph Curry and ignore everyone else. Like that, that's a super generalization, but stuff like that makes sense to me and so for soccer i would i would attribute that to being like just by pele maradona messi and ronaldo and forget everybody else and i think you do very very well now obviously you could miss some opportunities where um iniesta stuff might be undervalued kdb stuff might be undervalued uh thomas Muller stuff might be undervalued we could go on list of guys forever but from what i've looked at and, and you mentioned a, a video that i did on previously is that even like a top 10 to 20 player of all time their markets are so, so different from the guys that are the actual goats. And so for that reason, I, I think in the very long run, it really behooves you to target specifically just the goats of the goats. If that, if you're looking at this from an investment perspective, now, if you're, if you're Belgian and if you're a Man City fan and you want to buy KDB because you want to collect it, I have no problems with that. Um, buy whatever you want if you're doing the whole collecting thing. But from a purely financial perspective, I think you it, it behooves you to specifically just target the goats of the goats. And, and if I relate this down to something that I've been thinking about a lot more um, with the ultra modern market and a few months ago, you, it, it actually used to bother me a lot how I could look at something and say, wow, um, people are paying X amount of money for this prospect 
um, we'll, we'll take Erling Holland, for example, people are playing Lewandowski prices for Erling Holland. Um, that's in my opinion, the more I think about it, that's not what people are actually doing. Um, what people are actually doing is they're just assigning that value as a baseline to Holland. And then they're looking to move it within six to 12 months. And so I look at the ultra modern market completely different to the way I used to in terms of, oh my God, all these people are spending ridiculous amounts of money and they're going to kill them the long term to, oh, this is all just a giant game of hot potato that everybody's in on and nobody actually wants to hold these long term. And so I, oh, okay. I think that's a really interesting way that James, my thoughts have really changed James. modern recently. You are correct on that, but don't forget one thing. At the end of the day, that card needs house. So someone will lose money on that card. If, yeah, if, no, I, if I, I, there is bad I, fundamentals. Yeah, no, I, I agree that. And I 100% believe that those are bad fundamentals, but I, I understand better that the vast, vast majority of the market is not holding this thing for more than six to 12 months or at least planning to do so. Whereas before I, I, I would always think of it as, wow, somebody's paying that much for Jude Bellingham and they're going to hold it for 10, 20 years. That seems really silly when they could just buy Messi. Um, but yeah, that's, that's just something I've been thinking a lot about a lot more recently. Okay. So, so, so which one would you choose though? Yeah. 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 Um, yeah that's a super <laughs> no, po political. <laughs> I don't want to get anybody mad at me, but um, I would, I would take the, the Messi. Um, and specifically for the reasons I said, KDB is probably what, like a 40 to 50th range player all time. And Messi's market is Messi's market. So I, I just think the scales you're playing with are so, so different. No, I think that's crazy, honestly, but okay. <laughs> <laughs> we should clip never, this. We should clip I'm this. never having these Americans on my show again. <laughs> yeah, I know. <laughs> Actually, let, let me say one thing. Technically, I believe I'm correct in the sense that a PSA 9, Kevin De Bruyne, I suspect sells for more than a, a blue second year a top scroll mess. Oh, right now, probably. So technically, you but guys long are... run, I think it'll change. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. but you guys are the ones speculating. I, I'm playing the safest, basically. Yeah, I would, <laughs> no, I would say the, 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 the way comments, I look at play... below, yeah. Yeah, yeah. The, the way I look at player markets are, are not specific card base, but it's more like would I rather put KDB rookie in a high grade is what, like three or $4,000? Would I rather put three or $4,000 into KDB or would I rather put three or $4,000 into Messi? So like with three or $4,000, I'd rather buy a very, very low grade 71 biz than I would buy a high grade. Um, no, okay. 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 That I also <laughs> agree, but <laughs> the problem, look, uh, what Troy said is 99% correct in my opinion, in the sense that this is correct that I also prefer investing in Messi than invest in Kevin De Bruyne. No one is even debating that. My, I'm sorry, my problem is actually the, the example on the on the second year top scrum where I don't see any type of relevance for, uh, for the cards versus the most important sticker slash card for Kevin De Bruyne, because in terms, you can say, oh, but it's not the most expensive, there is the flawless, whatever, okay, that's fine. But in terms of history, is the most important card, that there is no way around, it's the first thing that, that ended up coming for, for him from Belgium. So it's an interesting debate, guys. Uh, so don't don't take this in the wrong way. I, I also think you guys can be, can be correct, but uh, I respectfully disagree. Yeah, I, I would need to do a lot of research before I actually came to a decision, but thinking of it in terms of market sizes, I think I would just rather have almost anything messy. But by the way, this is a, a super weird conversation for one thing. First of all, I don't even like Kevin De Bruyne that much. <laughs> I'm defending Kevin De Bruyne for some reason. And now I prefer Messi much more. So I, I'm in a weird spot because I'm not even the craziest fan of Kevin De Bruyne. But okay, actually, just to finish this, let's say instead of Kevin De Bruyne, is a Iniesta rookie. Um, Superliga de, de Estrelas, 
the yeah, shot is probably a little bit more expensive. Let's say the action shot. Do you still have the same opinion, uh, Troy? Because Kevin De Bruyne um, and Iniesta are completely different. Yeah, outside of and once again, I, I I willingly share my ignorance here and not knowing the exact pop counts and everything. No, I, I also sure... don't know. Also don't know. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm sure there's like like you know I've, I've watched your videos and I have I don't have everything memorized. I apologize. I forgot to take notes <laughs> when I was watching. This. But um, you like you've shared, for instance, like with with Iniesta, there's like a more rare rookie. I'm sure like his best best card in a PSA 10 of his rare rookie will one day be a be a big time card you know what i mean but short of that card i would still take anything messy so i'm sure well, you not, can give me anything. one example not anything but the second year tops chrome blue i would take that over just about any iniesta card in the long run i guess that's my opinion i still keep the same Man. opinion yep besides that's like i said i'm crazy. sure there's a psa 10 <laughs> i'm sure there's a psa 10 of his like rarest card that's gonna like gonna be a pop two forever i would rather have that but like a but outside of that, I'll I'll take the messy. Okay. Um, no, I mean, is 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 an interesting debate for sure. Uh, actually, I, I will put a what take then. I would to, I I I pick Iniesta over Messi, even versus second year Messi. I'm talking about the 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 best rookies for 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 Iniesta. I'm not talking the top scrum for me. I'm I'm sorry, it's nonsense. I, I don't even <laughs> consider what, the what? second year. <laughs> What's what's the pop on an Iniesta Mundo Chromo PSA ten or does anyone know what they sell for? Oh, uh, it's like fifteen. Fifteen. Yeah, but but I my uh, Mundo Chromo I also. Like I'm not sure. For the top PSA ten, top PSA ten of Messi though, right? Like uh, I would I, second year. I, I think I might. I think I would take the blue over the. That's that's the hot. I'm sticking with it. I'm taking it over a Mundo Chromo PSA ten Iniesta. That's my that's my take. Okay, I mean, maybe you're correct. Honestly, I I'm not even trying because I'm also not sure with this conversation. I <laughs> may, maybe I'm I focus so much in in pre-modern that for me everything in pre-modern have, have some type of bias, some type of premium. But um, I mean, yeah, uh, Brian, you are a little bit silenced. <laughs> Share your perspective. Hey, man. <laughs> I'm very I'm very non. Uh... <laughs> I'm very non-confrontational. No, no, but uh, no, but I, but I, I, I love Troy. I mean, this is for fun. No, no, I'm just kidding. Yeah, um, sec second year. I mean, if it's like a second year Messi, I think you you kind of made the debate like second year blue Messi, PSA ten, PSA ten, or just second year in general. Or I, I still, man, it's tough. I, I really am leaning towards Messi. Uh, I, I, I feel like the correct answer could be Iniesta. <laughs> no, I feel like the correct answer could be Iniesta. Just like you're trying to project things, right? So like I feel, it's just a super messy collector. I feel like we're Trump. No, yeah, and again, that is a lot of good points there. Yeah, I, I want to circle back to something we talked about earlier. When you have pre, like pre-modern in a case, people will literally flip by it. So if you took a case right now and you had an Iniesta like PSA ten and you had a um, blue messy PSA ten second year tops Chrome way, way more people will stop at the messy blue Chrome and ask you your price for it. Then we'll stop at the Iniesta. That might just be an American inefficiency in the market, but there would be way, way more people that would ask you about the messy. Okay. I'm, you guys made, made yeah. solid. No, the value-wise might be different, but. Yeah, I, I don't even know how much is, is a messy it's second obvious. year, but, uh, but, but yeah, oh, again, it, a break. I, oh. I, I'm, I'm actually, oh, there is. I'm sorry. I, actually, I'm sure that the, the viewers will love this part because 
again, there is some good points that you can make on on both sides. So. Um, I guess you win this one, uh, Troy. <laughs> no, I mean, well, that, that's the thing. We're all just also, you know, we we got the numbers. Actually, I'm I forgot. I'm Team European now. I should be on your side. I'm only gonna. <laughs> I need to uh, get more on that. But like I said, I, I also want to make it really clear for everyone. Like this is only looking at it. This is just my prediction, and it's also a financial prediction. I think James kind of mentioned it, but it's like in terms of collecting or what has better fundamentals or what you enjoy or what's a more meaningful card or all that stuff. I'm saying nothing about that. So I don't want anyone like if you collect Iniesta cards, I'm not, or even invest in yeah, Iniesta cards. I'm not saying like, I'm not saying like, oh, you guys are messing up. This is just <laughs> Troy told me Iniesta cards. And are also, bad. it's like, <laughs> yeah, exactly. You, you can you can see that coming on the YouTube channel now. Next video, why not <laughs> invest in Iniesta? But no, I mean Brian also knows. Sometimes I like to just say things to uh, to see what see if I can get a rise out of people. So it's all just this is all just for good fun. No, I love it. I mean, uh, it was great. I still don't agree, but <laughs> it was great. And and neither of us know for sure. That's the thing, right? Like yeah, as it, much as I like, you know, I I brought my points to the tables. No one knows, so it's all just speculation here. That, yeah, that, I, I was gonna say none of us on here really know what we're talking about. Long we have no idea. Now. I have no idea, man. That, and and that that's the best point. I mean, this is just fun debate, and uh, and I, actually, some is pushing critical thinking in for uh, all of us, right? And uh, Look, I was, I'm still sure that uh, in my perspective, I would pick uh, the Kevin De Bruyne, the, the Iniesta. But right now, I'm thinking more about your point. Okay, maybe it's correct in the sense that uh, maybe not that I was not aware, of course, but Messi collectors, the American influence. So I think it, it was a, a great uh, conversation that was not expected, to be fair. <laughs> um, so, yeah, guys, I think is everything. If anyone has something to say, now is the moment. Otherwise, uh, who, who's winning Champions League and who's winning World Cup? Oh, there we go. Okay, for Argentina. <laughs> uh, I would say, <laughs> I would say World Cup is Brazil, Champions League. I'm going with Manchester City because Kevin De Bruyne really needs the Champions League <laughs> to, <laughs> to to make me win this argument. For, just for your argument, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Um, I don't I don't have a prediction for that. Uh, I'm going to pass on that one. But my prediction is all four of us are going to be at the national next year in Chicago. That's that's my prediction. I'm excited for it. Very that's, bold. Very bold. That's, that's likely. Uh, James, like <laughs> you, you, uh, you ask. No, you answer. Yeah, I'll, I'll take PSG to win Champions League and then either Brazil or Argentina in the World Cup. But you have to pick one, dude. You can't just say one or the other. Yeah. Well, yeah, I've, no, I've been saying Brazil or Argentina for a really long time, and you said and 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 um, Andre said Brazil, and you already said Argentina, so I can't <laughs> lean either way. Just say if Argentina. I had to pick, it's fine. If if I had to pick one, I would probably pick Brazil. I think they're probably the best team in the tournament, but that almost usually doesn't matter. Yeah. It doesn't All right. Hey right, guys, thank you so much for uh, spending time with me. Uh, again, uh, means a lot, and uh, yeah. See you guys next time. Bye.